Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of The Small Business Surgeon. And honestly, I'm super excited today because we've got a fella on that I've been trying to get on the show for the last couple of months and our schedules just kind of bounced back and forth and didn't quite line up. So welcome today, a guy who I'm very proud to call my friend, uh, the host of two top-rated podcasts. He's host of uh, Top Rated MMA and he's host of The Eric Allen Show. The man himself, Eric Allen, welcome to The Small Business Surgeon, sir. Thank you so much for that awesome introduction, man. And, and <laughs> such an honor to be on this show, man, and honored to call you my friend, man. It's, yeah, I mean, the podcasting world, since I stepped into it and meeting guys like you has really, uh, it's, it's been, it's been life changing. And you've got one of the most um, extreme, <laughs> one of the most extreme stories that I've ever had the, uh, had the pleasure of following. And, you know, I, I like to talk on the small business surgeon about the bad stuff. You know, yeah. everybody everybody talks about the good stuff. You get around the, the the chamber of commerce, and you get around the bankers and the the realtors, and everybody's talking about the good stuff. But the real entrepreneurs have all been uh, through some shit. If you'll uh, excuse that uh, excuse yeah. that term. So, man, <laughs> wow, you do so much stuff, and I've got your bio in front of me, and it's like, where do I start? Uh, you know, broken home, jailed at 18, bankrupt at 21. Come on, dude. And now you're, you're a legend and you're living the dream. So let's, <laughs> let's start right back at the beginning. Were you always in this mindset? Were you always an entrepreneur? Because uh, I see jailed at 18. I see bankrupt at 21. That suggests that, uh, that maybe you were, you were trying to do some bigger things there. Tell us a little bit about your history, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always kind of been this entrepreneur. At 10 years old, I, I mowed lawns for two years. I had the same clients, so repeat customers. And it, it's funny that people would like, they think I'm lying, but I literally pushed this lawnmower about a mile one way uphill to get to my client's house. He lived at the top of this hill, and I went and mowed it for 15 bucks, man. And I did that weekly for the summer that when I was 10, 11 years old. Yeah, but dude, 15 bucks when you're a kid is like, that's that's good money. And um you know, I mowed the yards of, of several neighbors and uh, I got like a pound a yard, so like a dollar a yard. And I didn't know any better, but uh, I started out when I was about that age, dude. Uh, 50, yeah. 15 bucks, you, you did a better job of it than I did. Sure. <laughs> It was fun, man. I just knocked on a bunch of doors one summer and I said, Hey, do you want me to mow your lawn? I th- some, some were 10, some were 15, but most of them were 10. And, and I had a couple that were 15, man. So yeah, I felt like I was, you know, making some pretty good money at 10 years old and it helped me like go and buy Nolan Ryan gear and stuff like that. Cause I'm a big fan of Nolan Ryan's, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I grew up in Eastern Washington. I grew up when what was, I thought was normal, you know, went to Sunday school, played little league. My dad would take my best friend, Dave, and I and literally throw us in dumpsters behind big stores and say, hey, go find treasure, man. Like, that's just what we did. That sounds, like, that sounds like fun, man. That it, sounds like oh, fun. It, it was so much fun, man. And he would take us out to, like, dump sites out in the desert. And, you know, people would dump fridges and all kinds of stuff. And we'd go out there and just collect stuff, man. It was just this cool adventure life. And then my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. Man. And uh, right after that, my mom got together with a guy that was – an alcoholic and physically abusive. So I remember like, and that happened very quickly right after they got together. For some reason, my mom decided to stay with this dude. And I remember standing outside of the house, looking through my mom's bedroom window and he would be hitting her with a cordless phone. And you know, back when those were around, but um, you know, and then they decided to, well, they had a baby and then they said, Hey, we're going to move to Stevensville, Montana. It was population 1200 people. 
And they rented this house on five acres, beautiful up in the Bitterroot Valley, two huge ponds. And this house had three bedrooms. It was one for them, one for my little brother, who was like two months old at the time. Mm-hmm. And one for my sister, who's four years younger than me. And they said, Eric, you to live in the garage. And I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in. And I had a fireplace on my half of the garage that kept me warm. But during the winter, it gets into negative degrees. It doesn't really get too warm out there. I remember just freezing my butt off for the two years that I was out there. And it was pretty wild, man. Dude, that's insane. Yeah. They, made you yeah, live was, in, they made you live in the garage, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. It was, it was pretty wild, man. You know, and then uh, they came home arguing one night when I was 13 years old. Didn't think anything different. It was just the same old crap every night, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm brushing my teeth and I just felt something in my heart I say, man, you got to turn around. And the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage where I lived. Okay. And so I peeked around the corner and I saw him in the pantry area on top of my mom, just boom, 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 one shot after the other. And I'm like, man, I got to get this guy off. And so I snuck up behind him. I grabbed a cast iron pan. It was, you know, the heavy duty ones you take with you camping. And I swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and he turned around and he was like, what the, and as he said that I took another swing and split his forehead open. And I hit him so hard that second time I actually fell over and he didn't get knocked out some somehow, like he was just so drunk. He stood up over me and he was bleeding down his face and he started yelling. I remember my mom popping up and landing like six punches to his face. There's blood splatting on the wall cops finally show up, take him to jail for the night. My mom never pressed charges. And I was actually kicked out of the house at that point. I had three months left in my freshman year. So I lived on a bunch of couches of different friends for the remaining three months that I was in high school dude, for my freshman year. That's rough, dude. Man. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, you turned crazy. out okay, but Jesus, what a start. Right? Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, I went to live with my dad when I was 14 years old for my sophomore through senior year of high school. And he rented a house and he put 20 bucks in a cup. That was my lunch money for the week. Mm-hmm. But hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the house. And he'd go stay with his girlfriend. So my house became this party house. Wow. So I had no accountability, like no, no one to teach me about money. No one to teach me not to do this or do that. And so I started getting into drugs at a very early age. And I mean, from pot to, you know, taking acid and mushrooms and um, hash and I mean, opiate and just all of that. And then uh, when I was 18 years old, I got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington, but at the time it wasn't <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. so I had, I was still a senior in high school. I had to like, I wrote a note to my dad saying, Hey, I'm staying the night at Danny's house. And I checked myself into jail, black and white chain gang outfit on bright orange slippers. And I was in there for just one night, but it scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I bet. I bet, man. That's like, <laughs> that, that's so we're, we're, we're three minutes into the podcast and we've already had a freaking roller coaster, dude. <laughs> Yeah, That's, dude, it was, it's been a wild year, man. A wild life for sure, man. But I'm I'm I good bet. now. <laughs> I bet. So that kind of scared you straight, huh? You would think. I, but, I, oh, what no. I did was <laughs> there's more. There's more. Oh, Keep dude. going. Keep going. Dude, this... you would think. <laughs> so I was on. I was on a one year probation, so I couldn't smoke pot. They had, they could have tested me any time, so I didn't smoke pot for a year. But what I did was I turned to alcohol, so I started drinking really heavily at that oh, time. Wow. Yeah, that's bad. And so. Um, two weeks after I graduated high school, my dad kicked me out. I woke up to a note on the mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. And so I literally, at that point, I went and lived with my aunt and uncle. And then between the age of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times living on different couches with friends, with my grandma, with different people. And I made this move to Seattle, which was like a four hour drive from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I had a hundred bucks in my pocket, spent credit card, uh, spent credit cards 
on everything, right? Like, oh, I went and bought a camcorder so I could watch my buddy skateboard. Like, you know, like I was like, oh, this is the life, man. I just put everything on credit card. <laughs> and by the time I'm 21 years old, I'm $28,000 in debt. How did that it. happen? How do you give a kid that much credit line? Jeez. Bro, it was like I, my first credit card was from Sears and I bought a $1,500, $1,200 camcorder just so I could watch my buddy, re, you know, skateboard. And I would take that with me and things like that. And then I was like, oh, I need new CDs or I need new clothes. And oh, I can do this and that. And I just kept getting new credit cards from JCPenney's and all this stuff. And no one ever taught me not to do that. And I mean, uh, you get $28,000 worth of free shit. So well done. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think 12,000 of that was a car, but outside of that, the rest was all credit card, dude. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts, man. And, and uh, yeah, so I filed bankruptcy. I was literally borrowing money from money tree to pay cash advance and then paying cash, or borrowing money from cash advance to pay money tree. And it, I was a total mess, man. Um, so yeah, how, it was nuts. How do you even begin to get out of that situation? Cause I, I remember when I was in my early twenties and I was painting houses for a yeah. living and I'd had a rough month and I had to pawn some stuff and boy, if it didn't take me like three months to unfuck that, and right. the education levels um, of people just don't seem to be there when they have to go use the pawn shop and the payday loans, they get trapped in that shit. Um, yep. What got you out of doing that? I mean, was there a breakthrough moment or were you just, did you just have enough one day? You know, I think it was a combination of, so at the time, right after that, I had landed this job with Universal Records in downtown Seattle, which is amazing. It was always my dream to be in the music business. I don't know how to play anything, but I just wanted to like go be involved in music and uh, literally was working at a CD store when those around and some guy from Universal walked in, he was putting like posters up and he, and I jokingly said, Hey man, how do I get your job? And he's like, Oh, you got to intern. And I was, you, you know, contact this person. So I went to the local community college, paid $320 for an internship class that I was supposed to take, took my receipt to Universal and said, look, I'm an intern here. And I'd love to apply, you know, apply for you guys. And they said, cool, you're in. And I never went to class. So six months, I showed up every single day at Universal Records, stuffing posters and tracking sales and all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And the problem was like, yes, I was living my dream job or headed that way, but I was going to two to three concerts a week for free. And I had open tab at every single one of those. Oh, so I had, you know, live this rock star lifestyle mm -hmm. without being a rock star. So hanging around backstage with a lot of these bands, I mean, it was fun. But I remember this moment in my early 20s, and there was this girl who was probably in her mid 30s at the time. And I remember at this concert going, I do not want to be her age and going to concerts every night. And I want to have a family and stuff like that. And it was this weird thing that I remember. And so my one year anniversary, I got laid off from Universal Records. There's during Napster days, man. Oh, yeah, I remember it. Napster killed the music industry. It sounds like we were in the music business at about the exact same time. Um, yeah, this was uh, probably 2000 two 2003 somewhere yeah. in there yeah yeah my first tour was in 2000 okay and, uh, it's funny because yeah i turned 25 in like 2005 and um there was another tour coming up and i'd got offered a job with a grown-up salary first time ever um nice. and uh i had to make that decision do i want to be the 35 year old that's going out to the concerts every night and kid or do I want a mortgage and a house and a career? And, you know, I keep music, I keep it in my pocket. I still do it, but I yep. chose, I chose the career, um, you know, and ah. <laughs> yeah. 
it, and that sent me into this tailspin. This is a long-winded answer for your question there. No, Sorry. you're good, so, buddy. Um, we got but time. Like what happened? What happened was I, I essentially once I got laid off, I was working at Starbucks at night as the night shift manager, and I was depressed, and I was, you know, didn't have any friends. I lived in this really ghetto apartment across the street from where Jimi Hendrix is buried, actually. Oh wow! And uh, I would get off work at Starbucks. I'd go to the store, grab a six pack of beer, go to Hollywood Video when those were around, rent a movie, and and pass out in my ghetto apartment every night. That was my daily routine. And one night, this really hot girl walked into Starbucks and said, hey, we've got this cool college age event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? You know, me not having friends, just being a really good looking girl. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll go, you know, go (laughs) check it out. So I go down there and there's all these weird connections. I knew people from the other side of the state, like, hey, man, I haven't seen you in three years. Hey, man, I haven't seen you forever. It's just this weird kind of seed that was planted. Mm -hmm. And I was managing this band at the time and they were doing just local tours and uh, that was a couple months later it was Easter, 2004. They went and played a concert before Easter. And I woke up Easter morning in my buddy's basement, surrounded by probably 15 people passed out. And in that moment, I felt God say, man, you're done. And I literally quit cold Turkey, cigarettes, drugs, drinking everything right there in that moment. And I gave my life to Christ just by myself. And I called that girl up and I got her voicemail and I said, Hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Happy Easter. Maybe I'll see you at the store. And about a month later, we we're dating a year later. We're married. Now we've been married for almost 17 years, man. Wow. And I bet you say thank you to her on a regular basis, don't you? All the time, dude. All the time. Yeah, it is, you know, kind of a funny coincidence that we were actually both born at exactly 1.41 p.m. documented on our birth certificate. It's different days, every years, but the exact same minute. <laughs> that is strange. That is strange. And uh, yeah, 17 years. That's uh, well done, dude. Well done. So, and now you're, you, so you've, you've given your life over to Christ. Yeah. Um, what does that involve doing? Um, volunteering, mission stuff? Tell us a little bit about that and how that's affected you. Because, and, and here's the reason I say why, you know, yeah. I'm still not, I'm still not converted to the, uh, to the, the, the Christian thing. I'm, I'm still sure. not converted to the, 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 the God in the sky, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. a believer in a higher power. I'm, yeah. def- I'm definitely a believer in, in positivity and in what you put out into the universe comes back to you. So yep. I'm, I'm walking the same path here, you know? So tell us Love a little it. bit about how it's changed your life and uh, how instrumental it is in your day-to-day activities. Yeah, I mean, and I think at first I was really scared because I'll be one to admit, I think Christians are probably some of the most judgmental people in the world. Uh, they yeah. just are like, uh, it, 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 and, and, and I hate to say that, but it's true. And for me, I came into this being this guy who was ashamed of his past. Like, man, I, that I really screwed up some things in my life, mm-hmm. but I come into this where I'm like, we just love people where they're at. And I don't need to judge anybody. It's not my job to judge anybody for whatever their political preference, sexual preference, whatever. That's not my job. Like Absolutely. my job is just to love yeah. people. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I came in and I said, Hey, I want to get to know God. I want to draw close to him. So I started reading books and just researching and like almost interviewing pastors and people that were in the church. Like, Hey man, how does this, how did this work? Like, how did, how did you get to know Christ? Like things like that. And, and for me, it just started opening up doors of like opportunities and like, my mindset started changing. Like, I don't have to let my past define my future. Like as much as I was defined, like I let that, you know, my past of being screwed up and, you know, things like that, like, Oh, I'll never be this, or I'll never be that when I grow up. And I had to kind of be that quitter and go, I got to quit being around negative people. I got to quit being, you know, thinking I'm not deserving of success or deserving of money. I had to quit being a quitter. You know, like I'd start all these businesses and then I'd quit. And so for me, I like to say I had to be a quitter to get out of that. And then what that did was I'm still sober today. I've been sober for 17 years or coming up on 17 years, man. And 
And uh, it's given me a different mindset. It's gotten me healthier. And my marriage is awesome. We have two amazing kids. And we're literally breaking the chains of, of divorce, addiction, rejection, and abuse that my wife and I both come from, uh, from our parents. And that's, that's incredible. Um, it, it really is. I've been sober. It'll be four years next month. Um, Come on, man. That's awesome. Dude, it's, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't realize, and, you know, you got it in your mid-20s. It took me to my late 30s uh, uh, to, to, to get there. I didn't realize how much of my life was dominated by alcohol and how much time I spent doing alcohol-related things that sure. I could have been doing other stuff. I'm, I'm an incredible pool player. Um, but only because of the amounts of time I've spent in bars, <laughs> shooting pool, and drinking too much alcohol. And you get like a whole other um, side to life when you don't yeah. drink nearly as much. And um, the guys now that are starting to work with me, um, one of the first things we do is take them through the alcohol abuse and try and wean them off that stuff and move them on to the other thing. And I, I really want to nice. say to anybody listening, um, it is a little boring at first, but it's absolutely, yeah. it's so much better. Um, yeah. So much better sober. So uh, congratulations for, for staying that way so long. So talk to us a little bit, Eric, about what you do these days, because um, <clears throat> some guys will see this, some guys will be listening to it on audio, but you've got just the biggest beard. Um, <laughs> your beard is, it's, it's on par with Zach Babcock's. Uh, so I'd probably a little bigger than Sean Whalen's too. You guys might have to have a fight for the beards there. But, right. um, I've talked with both those guys on my show, man, and, they, and yeah. they're just awesome, super awesome dudes. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's why I called them out there. Um, yeah. But you've got you've got a big old beard. You got a top rated MMA podcast, and I love yeah. MMA, so we can dig into that a little bit if you want. And you got yeah. a, a, a big ass flag behind you there in your in your podcasting studio. So tell us a little bit about what you've going on, uh, what you got going on these days, man. Yeah, you know, I'm not a full-time entrepreneur or a full-time podcaster, but I'm definitely like my goal is by the end of this year to to be able to walk away from my my full-time job, man. That's that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I, I'm 41 now, 41 right now. I didn't release my story till I was 39 years old. And once I did that publicly, door started opening and I decided, hey, man, I want to start doing this podcasting thing. Mm -hmm. Actually, Top Rated May started in 2012 as an apparel company. And I oh, made right. so many mistakes. <laughs> I bought massive amounts of inventory that didn't sell. I thought, oh, I'm going to sell this. This is during tap out 2012. My wife came up with the name of Top Rated May. We said, how are we going to be different? We decided to be 100% American made. And that kind of st stood us out from other guys who were just doing cheapo shirts and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Took off way faster than we were prepared. I started getting calls from like Jeremy Stevens management companies saying, hey, do you want to, you know, sponsor Jeremy Stevens? Oh, sure. What do you want? Well, yeah. He's like, $10,000. I'm like, dude, it cost me five to start this company, man. I don't have that to pay. You know, like, you know, it's just wild, like how fast it grew up. And then what happened was I got bored with it in 2015. Wasn't making money. Wasn't excited. I literally put an ad in Craigslist that I've got this MMA apparel company. You can have the listeners, you can have, or you can have the following, you can have all the equipment. I'll sell it to you for like three grand. I mean, I was just going to throw it out there. One guy called me on it. And in that call, I decided not to sell it. I was like, no, I'm not giving up yet. So this is in 2015. So then I kind of restructured it. 2017, I launched Top Remade podcast. I had no idea what I was doing. I was in a walk-in closet, bad lighting, bad camera. Didn't even look into the camera. I was like down here all over the place, right? And did almost a hundred episodes from my walk-in closet. And I just wanted to know why fighters want to get in a cage and get punched in the face. That's how it started. Dude. And uh, man, now here we are, 225 episodes now have been released 
And I've been blessed to speak with Ken Shamrock twice and, you know, Chris Lieben and all these awesome fighters from the UFC. And I really love talking with the amateurs, these up and coming fighters that are like hungry to just go in their career. And it's short shows. I call real fighters, real stories, because I want to deep dive into like, Hey, where'd they grow up? What was childhood like? Because the guys I have on my show, they're like, I want people to realize that they're just real people too, that fought for their dreams. You know, and so that's where we're at with Top Rated Man. I do that every day. And then that show comes out every Saturday. Right. My other show, 2018, came across a guy named Ed Milet. Yes. And I was like, yes. mind blown. I was like, who is this guy? He is a started, smart dude for sure. Oh, man. I started binge watching all this stuff on YouTube. And then I was like, I'm going to start this other podcast because I've always been fascinated about, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff like that. And so and entrepreneurs, I want to know why they want to get punched in the face, too not literally, hopefully, but like, you know, we get the nose, we get rejections, we yell, like fail all the time. Like we're still getting punched in the face. So I was kind of tying that into this. And so we like started it, this show, right? We like it. Uh, Bearded Biz Show started in 2019. It was, I literally started that podcast because I came across Ed Milet. Mm -hmm. And in 2018 though, he issued the max out challenge on Instagram to his 1 million followers. He said, submit a one minute story of what you're passionate about, what drives you to be successful. And I submitted my story. And two months later, he announced me as the Ed Milet Max Out Challenge winner. And oh, I got to have a crazy. phone call with him. And uh, so it was supposed to be 20 minutes. We ended up going 30. I was able to record it and release it as episode 12. Prior to that, I had already had Sean Whalen on my show. Mm -hmm. And then it just opened up massive doors. Now I've been able to talk with Bedros Cooling and Brad Lee and, you know, Jim the Rookie Morris. And, uh, you know, I mean, so many Tim story, Eric Legrand. I've just been super blessed to speak with some amazing people. And so that show comes out every single Friday. I do two podcasts and uh, keeps me busy, man. I wake up at 4am six days a week to work on it. So that's the Eric Allen show on yeah. uh, every Friday. Go on, uh, go every ahead. Friday. Go mash subscribe on that. And I, I know uh, I've caught a few episodes. I watch it on, uh, on, I watch the stuff on uh, Facebook and Instagram that you put up nice. the clips, but I may well Thank have you. to add that to my iTunes because you've got quite the resume of uh, of people that you've uh, that you've interviewed, and now here I am interviewing you. So I'm very, I'm very <laughs> blessed uh, to Thanks, to be doing it. <laughs> so oh, I appreciate it, um, man. Have you ever read a book called The Professor in the Cage? No, I've, I've heard of that, but I, I, don't know, I haven't read it. Um, it's about MMA, and it's about a professor that sees some fellas doing jujitsu across the street. And yeah. he wanders across on his lunch break to see about getting involved. And he, he falls head first in love with the world of MMA. And then he goes and explores the psychology of what it was you talking about was um, why we get hit in the face. Yeah. And I think I liked getting hit in the face because there was never... Um, I'm, I I did MMA quite poorly, I might add, for about eight years. Okay. But there was okay. never there was never anything that matched the adrenaline of being shut in a cage and even even though it was sparring you've got you've got your coach and you've got one other guy in that cage and you're, you're either hitting him or you're getting hit and yeah. I, f I find it equates a lot to uh, to business as well but I find nothing that matches the adrenaline of coming alive like being faced with right well if I don't do something about this it's really going to fucking hurt right now right sure totally <laughs> <laughs> so oh, uh, awesome. check, check that book out if you get a chance uh, The Professor yeah, in the Cage I can't remember who it's by mate I can't remember I've had it on my shelf for seven or eight years um, oh that's surely. awesome but um, dude that is uh, you, you've got such a really really interesting story tell me a little bit more let's go back sorry yeah. let's go no, back you're good, man. let's go back to this point of failure with the apparel brand yeah how, how did you cope with making the decision to pull the plug because 
I have pulled the plug on a company before, and I've been close to pulling the, cl- the plug on several other companies before. What did it look like to you going through that, and how did you make the decision to, to knuckle back down and say, you know what, I'm going to give it one more shot? It For me, it sucked because it was always a dream of mine, and still is a dream of mine, to be a full-time entrepreneur. And I think my mindset is different now than it was when I started it in 2012. But, you know, at the time, I was super excited because we started, like, doing events my very first event where we had like top rate ma show up and we had a booth at an mma event nobody knew who we were mm-hmm. but we showed up and i had john prince albert from the ultimate fighter on we paid him 500 bucks to show up at my event wearing our gear he signed autographs doing photos people were like who's this top rate ma well how do they have a ufc fighter already there right, right so right. like we kind of took off from the local scene wise like who the heck are these guys and so i was really excited about it the problem was I didn't know how to like market things or, you know, budget things. Like I was trying to sell his shirt for 35 bucks. We did a custom John Prince Albert shirt. Uh-huh. And when we signed him, he was like on a three fight winning streak. Right. And then right after we signed him, he went three fights losing streak and he got cut from the UFC and he went from 30,000 followers on Twitter to seven. Yeah. You're not going to sell a lot of shirts on a, on a three fight loss, are you? Right. Yeah. I mean, so, and it was just brutal, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was, it sucked, man. I had no idea what I was doing. We ended up donating probably, 60 shirts to hurricane katrina victims i just mailed them down to uh grunt style and they distributed them out there for me man and so was this your first real like go at a real business this- it was yep yeah it was uh it sucked <laughs> <laughs> come on now it's not that bad um yeah, no i mean it was good but i just i didn't know what i was doing i didn't have a coach i didn't have a mentor i you know i was trying to research as much as i could you know, 2012, there wasn't the, I mean, there was research out there, but like how to do the stuff. But I would say at the time I wasn't really um, savvy on the computer and how to figure stuff out. And so I really had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to get some shirts out and get involved in MMA. Dude, that's the, the most major difference uh, between then and now, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause in, in the, around the same time that you were in t-shirts, I owned a, uh, I owned a car dealership for a little okay. bit. And there wasn't the coach, there wasn't the mentor, there wasn't this massive resource. I can go now and pull up car sales scripts from YouTube and watch sales training videos all day long. And I can, yeah. and there wasn't this massive resource. I love the fact that we, we live in the future. There's absolutely no limit to what you can learn if you just use the internet and, and learn it, man. Totally. So yep. I, uh, what I like to remind everybody that listens is, like you, like me, we've all, every single person that's made it to the other side of uh, whatever bridge we're going to, we've all failed on the way. Yep, many and times. I think too many people think that they're alone in uh, in carrying that. And man, if, if we could stop just a few business owners from being depressed and feeling lonely, I think we'd have uh, won half the battle over here. Yeah. <laughs> I have an interesting story of a failure for for sure. Let's so do top it. Right send in May, it. Send it. Right. Yeah. Here, here's what happened. I as I booked Ken Sham Ken Shamrock for my first show, or not for my first show, but like first time I talked to him. I had him on the show twice, but the first that, time I talked to him, that dude is that dude is just in such amazing shape. I got to uh, I got to meet him very briefly last yeah. week at the yeah. event. Wow, yeah. amazing shape, dude. So kudos to him. <laughs> was he fifty-seven years old, and he's yeah, just dude. he's just banging, man. He's just in amazing shape. Sorry, <laughs> go back no. to the uh, to the story. Yeah. So here's what happened: is I this is right around when I won the challenge from Ed Milet, and I got to schedule a call with Ed. One day, I talked with Ken Shamrock and Ed Milet the same day. Wow. My mind's blown, right? Like so. But here's the thing: is I'm recording, and I forget I was using. Um, I was using this app called Ecamm to record this video audio with Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. And 
he kept getting phone calls. And what it would do was it actually turned off the recorder while oh. I was talking with him. So like, and I was pissed. I literally was three minutes into this interview with him and saw the recorder go off. And at one point I would go, Hey, Ken, can I, I'm sorry. One second, can I call you right back? Like, that's embarrassing for me to admit that. Right. As a podcaster, it's not professional. He says, yeah, sure. No problem. So I call him back two minutes into that second session. Phone rings again, kills my recorder. I'm literally interviewing him knowing I'm not recording any of it. Oh, wow. And I'm just having this one-on conversation. I was like, I was too embarrassed to stop him again. I was like, I'm going to have this conversation. And this is between me and Ken. And it's never going to go out there. And I was so bummed. And then a week later, his team reached out and said, hey, have a call go with Ken. And I was like, you know, here's what happened. I, he, I think his phone kept ringing and it turned off my recorder. And they're like, hey, let's just rebook him. And I was like, what? And I was <laughs> so pumped that they, he came back on and we did it all over again. And it turned out great. But like... Uh, that that was a huge failure for me because I didn't have a backup plan and it just it totally screwed with me man I was mentally I was out of that interview for probably you know the last half once I saw the recorder go off I was like oh this sucks <laughs> dude you must have some serious wisdom in your head share with us a couple of takeaways that you've got from Ed or from Ken Shamrock or from any of the other uh, big name guests what's what's one one or two of the biggest takeaways you've taken from those guys and from being around them from getting to work with them yeah, you know, I think the the big the one book that changed my life forever was Ed Milet's Max Out book. You can get it for free if you Google Ed Milet's Max Out book free. I think you pay shipping six bucks, eight bucks, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's ninety pages. I've read it several times, and he talks so much about like maxing out your life. And it, what he talks about is like having morning routines. Um, I'm not, a, I don't take cold showers now, but he does. And, and I did for a while and I'll probably get back into that. But um, he talks about doing that. And he talks, one thing that kind of hit home for me was he talks about splitting one day into four different days, four, six hour days. Oh yeah. So he gets up and he splits his day. The first six hours are dedicated to working out and, and getting emails and stuff like that. The next six hours are making money. The next six hours is family. The next six hours is sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like he splits that up. And it was, it just kind of hit home for me. I was like, oh man, that's a new way to look at this stuff. That makes a lot and, of sense. Yeah. You know, and, and being committed. Right. So he's like, dude, if you start something and you want to get it done, fight for it, fight for it. And I have this thing on my wall that says, if you don't fight for what you want, don't cry for what you lose. That's a quote from Ed. And I was like, that hit home for me. I was like, man, I'm going to fight for this. My goal, like this year, my word grow is growth, right? For me, like I want to grow yeah. personally. I want to grow my podcast. I want to grow my sales. And I created this vision wall, not even just a board, like my entire wall of my office is the vision wall. And one of the things I have on there is if I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too close. Like my goal is to have the 20 acres with the house in the middle. And I tell my wife all the time, <laughs> she thinks I'm joking. I'm like, no, I'm not joking. If I can't pee off my front porch, my neighbors are too damn close. Dude. Like, that's where I'm at right now, you know? <laughs> I I respect the hell out of that. I mean, we just got like, you know, I, I say this a lot, is that every man needs his own tree to pee on. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I we do like, um, we, we've got a real estate company and we do remodels and stuff. Um, yeah. And I don't really work on any of them. But the office, the mess you see behind me, the mess over to the side, my office, I'm remodeling every last little bit. And I've got enough money to hire contractors and crew, but I want to feel like this is my tree and I peed on it. And this is, this is, it's, it's super important for a man to have totally. the ability to piss off his own porch. I right. Mean, <laughs> totally. Absolutely. I mean, I could do it right now, but I might get arrested, but you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> let me shut the camera off. If you're going to go that route. Hold on. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Dude. So funny. So, yeah, um, man, I think he's, he's definitely, Ed Milet is definitely one of those guys that inspired me and, and his just work ethic is what, keeps me going 
It's crazy. I listened to him on. Uh, he's. I've. I've got a uh, a list of podcasters that uh, that I run down every time I go out and exercise. They just man. Sometimes I run out. I listen to so many damn podcasts. But uh, Ed, Ed Milet's on my uh, on my regulars list, and um, I highly encourage anybody out there listening uh, go and take in a couple of his uh, shows and grab that book. I'm going to grab it too. I have not read it. Uh, the name of his podcast is Max Out, and it's also the name of the book. So go and. Uh, Go check that out, guys. Oh, yeah. Anyway, back to attention on Eric. Yeah. Um, you know, the one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to come back to real quick um, yeah. from, from uh, Ed's lessons is consistency over time. Mm. Um, I want to put word out to anybody that thinks they're struggling out there. Tell us a little bit about the way you stuck to your guns and kept going. And now just how many people you think... Uh, you talk to every day on a daily basis and what that's been like for you feeling going from maybe feeling like you were shouting into an empty canyon to maybe getting some feedback tell us a little bit yeah. about that journey man it's it's been uh, constantly learning you know one of the things that ed says and i have again i have it on my wall but it's canny constant and never-ending improvement and for me like i'm always trying to improve and so it is being about consistency, right? So mm -hmm. I wake up at 4am six days a week and I wake up and I throw on some worship music and I do some time in prayer. And then I start responding to emails and booking guests and editing my shows. I do everything myself, editing, releasing, putting out to social media, all that 100%. And then at eight o'clock, I go to my work computer over here. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, it's family time. But I do that every single day, except for Sundays, I don't set an alarm, I usually wake up by 430. But 4am, six days a week, I know that sometimes if I get to bed a little bit late, I'm gonna be super tired. Mm -hmm. But I drink my coffee, and I might take a power nap during the day. But like, <laughs> that's like, for me, like, that's how you be consistent with that, right. And, and so I've been doing 4am for almost 10 years. Yeah. And that's my, that's my gig, man. That's, that's where I can laser focus in, you know, Craig Ballantyne, who I'll, I'll probably have on my show later. We've been in discussions. He was booked earlier this month and we had to reschedule, but he has this book called the perfect day formula. And he just talks about like prepping your day the night before, man. So oh, yeah. you know, doing your to-do list before you get up in the morning, then you know what you're doing, right? It's so, as simple as laying um, out your clothes the night before. Yeah, I do that as well, man. And uh, I mean, so, sorry, back to your question. They're like, yeah. so just being committed, being, being like, consistent with yourself and and don't let yourself down like if you say you're going to do it do it like don't lie to yourself man and you know for me waking up at 4 a.m people like why do you want to wake up at 4 a.m every day and here's my thing is i wake up at 4 a.m because I, my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep period there you go yeah and and so i will always do that and my end goal is that property with my family that I get a pee off the front porch. Like that's what <laughs> fires me up every single day. Cause I walk past that stuff on my wall and I'm like, yes, that's coming. I know it's coming, man. And so that's, that's what fires me up, man. And just being consistent with it. And I think that's what people need to do. And like, you know, um, sticking with it, like I said, like keep, keep doing what you're doing, fight for your dreams. Always never let back. Man. I love that. I love that. How long did it take you to realize that, if you kept going, you were going to hit your dreams, man. It took me a long time. I kind of mediocre half-assed did stuff for the last four years, um, about a year into podcasting with top radio may and kind of around that time when I met Ed and came across Ed, that's what, that's when a, the flip switched for mm -hmm. me. I was like, man, you know, Ed's been in the game forever before he even got known. You know, yeah. like he, he made millions, hundreds of millions before he even came known to, you know, people and didn't even know how to run a YouTube channel, you know, and, but he put in the work 
And then you talk to these guys and, you know, people think that they're overnight successes, but they're overnight successes that took 10 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? And for me, I'm coming up on 10 years of being top rated MMA. Right. And I've just, you know, I, yeah, I made some changes and like four years ago, three and a half years ago, we decided to relaunch the podcast and that probably reset my clock a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. No doubt. I think it's encouraged or in like others. And, and, you know, I think it's, it's helped me to get on the right path of like, all right, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep doing this. And I don't even worry about the numbers on my downloads. I don't worry about the subscribers on my show. I know that if I continue to put out content and consistently talk with these amazing guests, these world changers, like yourself, you've been on my show. Thank I love you. what you got going on, man. And, uh, you know, if I continue to do that consistently, then, everything is going to open up at one point. And I don't know when that is, but I know that I work my ass off and there's nobody out there that works harder than me doing two podcasts a week. And, you know, people, you know, they do that. They, they might be full-time entrepreneurs, but I know for my heart, for me, for myself, man, I'm like, man, I'm waking up and I'm doing this every single day. There's no one stopping me. I'm going to continue to do this until I can pee off my front porch. Hey man, <laughs> dude, it is a lot of work. Uh, yeah. It is a lot of work being on shows, recording your own shows, thinking of your own questions, all this other stuff. It is a lot of work, but it is, it's so worth it in the end. Yeah. And I've just had my, holy shit, people are listening moment over the course of the last month or so uh, after, yeah. after being doing this for a very long time. And um, man, it's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you, Eric. Before I let you go though, I've got one yeah. question that I like to ask all of my guests. Um, because now, you know, you're you're somewhat successful, you're in your forties, you 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 see the end, you see the vision, you see the goal. Yep. What's one piece of advice that you've got for a kid in their twenties that's listening to us that's wanting to get started out and maybe doesn't know where they go? What's what's one golden nugget we can drop? One golden nugget, man. Listen, listen to your heart. Don't listen to the people that are the negative Nancy's out there to tell you can't do this. You can't do that, man. Like one thing that I wish I would have done at an earlier age is surround myself with people that were like-minded of my goal. Amen. You know, Ed Milet, he talks mm -hmm. about like, if you're walking around at 85 degrees and you're ho-hum in life and you're like, well, this sucks or that sucks, get away from those people and go hang around people that are like walking around 150 degrees because mm -hmm. just being in their presence is going to be able to lift you up and support you and then just like get you on the right path. I wish I would have done that in my early 20s. Instead, I messed around with a bunch of network marketing stuff and not nothing bad against network marketing. But for me, I wasn't in the right mindset to make it mm -hmm. successful, but I thought I could. And, uh, you know, so I just didn't hang around the right people, man. And I think any advice out there for somebody who's in their early age, man, is get away from the partying and find those people that are doing what you want to do for your life. What are you called to do? What are you passionate about? Go find those people and hang around with them. Dude, that's incredible advice. I wish I had a little sound effect like Bradley <laughs> to make a bomb noise going off because that was uh, that was incredible. Kyle, Kyle, in post, in edits, see if you can find a sound effect like a bomb there for Eric because that was a freaking bomb, dude. You did that was that was great. Um, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> no, I mean it really is. Um, once you start aligning yourself with the right people or the right mindsets, um, if you've got one or two or three rotten apples in your bunch, it turns a whole bag of apples rotten. Yes, and you don't want to be around that, but. You know, like most guys, we make that mistake of spending our late teens and early 20s up to our mid-20s, whatever, drinking and hanging out and, you know, going to bars and getting in fights and, and doing all that stuff. And yeah. successful people don't really do that. 
you know and uh, yeah. the the people you hang out with uh, determine who you become eric my man i would love to hang out with you next time we are in the same location buddy it's been an Thank absolute you. pleasure to uh, to interview on the show do me a massive favor i want you to shout out your uh, instagram your podcasts and where my guys can find you Awesome. Yeah. Instagram is just Eric G Allen. It's E-R-I-K, uh, Eric G Allen on Instagram. I respond to all comments and DMs for sure. Eric Allen is the website and my two podcasts top rated may comes out every Saturday and Eric Allen show comes out every Friday. I'm also on a mission to be on a guest of 100 podcasts this year. And so thankful that you are part of that and uh, being on the show, man, it's such an honor to be on your show. And again, just to call you a friend, man, is such a rad and honor to you know be here and thank you so much man for having me on hey, it's a hell of a ride my friend and uh, i'm glad you're alongside me so thank you for hanging out with me today thank you for talking to the audience and guys please go check out eric's stuff we will put all his links in the show notes and uh, y'all have a really great week we will be back on friday with a little more friday fire for you and uh, as always if you've got anything out of this show do me a favor go hit that like button hit subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode of small business surgeon thanks guys This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you made it this far, you clearly liked it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share it with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com. Ooh, yeah.